a home football game at Stanford Stadium? Check. Fans in the stands? Check. Student support? Double check. A win? Well, Stanford coming up short in that category. And an afternoon of of mixed results overall for the Cardinal against the UCLA Bruins. And that's what we're breaking down on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for being with us on Sunday, September 26th, 2021. Great to have you with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. And of course, hosting this show as we are breaking down Stanford's 35-24 loss to the UCLA Bruins with Stanford now falling to 2-2 on the season. We'll get help breaking down this game, of course, from Stanford head coach David Shaw. You're also going to hear from Stanford defensive lineman Thomas Booker and Cardinal quarterback Tanner McKee. And, of course, we'll get your thoughts. I always love hearing what you have to say about this game. The best way to do that is to give me the, the hashtag TreeCast via Twitter. I always appreciate it when you subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, no matter which way you want to go, the TreeCast is there. We certainly appreciate you subscribing to the show, listening to the show, rating it, reviewing it, and reacting to it on your friendly neighborhood message board. Always appreciate uh, you doing all of those things. Um, Well, Let's get let's get right into it. Uh, for Stanford, the definition I think of, of of mixed results when it comes to that game against UCLA, the Cardinal were down twenty one seven at the half. Stanford fought back, tied it up at twenty one apiece early in the fourth quarter, and then the Bruins slipped away for the thirty five twenty four result. After the game, David Shaw sizing it all up. Am I encouraged? Absolutely. Am I upset? Absolutely. Because we can play much better than we played today. Played against a team that was very serious in what they were doing and executed at a high level. We were about 50-50. When we executed, all three phases were really, really good. When we did not, we got outplayed collectively, individually, made it tough. Um, This team is capable of much better than we showed today. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, basically. that's, (laughs) That's really about the size of it right there. A deeper dive into it, beginning with three things you need to know from the game. But first, you need to know this. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get into it. The key sequence in this game. UCLA retaking the lead right after Stanford tied it at 21. Stanford kicks a field goal and has to play catch up from there. So let's let's focus on that as we begin three things you need to know from Stanford UCLA with number one. 
And early in the fourth quarter, right after Stanford had tied it at 21, the very next play, UCLA's Dorian Thompson-Robinson hits a wide-open Kyle Phillips for a 75-yard score. Stanford, thanks to a 30-yard keeper by Tanner McKee that faked out everyone, drive to the UCLA 30, where they face fourth and two with nine minutes to go. Shaw kicked the field goal instead of going for it. Joshua Cardi made it, and that made the score 28-24, still in favor of UCLA, but the Cardinal got no closer on the scoreboard. Afterwards, Shaw was asked about kicking instead of going for it. You go for it, um, you don't get it, then you give him great field position. Our, our field goal kicker got a lot of confidence in him, um, put him out there, and he made it. It wasn't three minutes to go. It's like you said, it was nine minutes to go. There's a lot of football left. Um, kicked the field goal, we made it a one-score one game. We're kicking off with a one-score game with nine minutes to go in the game. It's, it's not even a question for me. You know, take all the analytics you want. The analytics don't matter. Football matters. One-score game with nine minutes to go, and that's what we did. Yeah, and, and all those things are true. It's also true that Stanford has been a bit more aggressive than usual in plus territory this season. We discussed that at length and also got Shaw's about it on last week's show. So so that sequence right there, the key play itself was UCLA taking the lead. But Stanford's response to it by kicking the field goal instead of perhaps going for it on fourth and two at the UCLA 30-yard line may have been the key sequence overall for Stanford. Let's get to number two. And the big subplot for Stanford coming into this one was its running back room, which was basically down to one man this week. EJ Smith injured, Austin Jones and Casey Filkins unavailable. So that left the running game on the shoulders, or well, the legs actually, of Nate Pete, who actually played every snap at running back and he also took a kick return in the fourth quarter, so he actually did uh, even more than I thought he might on the afternoon. David Shaw on Pete's day. Hey, Pete ran hard. He ran hard. He still broke tackles. Um, he had to account for too many, too many guys. You know, three times off the top of my head, he got the ball, and there was somebody in the backfield. You know, that's not Nate's fault. Um, but when he had a lane and he got a crease, then he got through there. Um, and, and he's been a big play guy for us, which is great. But if you really watch Nate, he gets a lot of tough yards, too. He runs through contact. He drags guys. He gets positive yards after contact. Um, but too many times today, he got the ball and he had to deal with somebody in the backfield. Yeah, Pete just 27 yards on 13 carries, and he did not have a lot of help in front of him. More on that later. But let's move on to number three. And I'm not going to lie, that first quarter was pretty much my worst-case scenario for Stanford in all three phases of the game, especially defensively. Stanford with the worst run defense statistically in the Pac-12 coming into the game against the Bruins, who have two bruising running backs in Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown, and a slithery quarterback in DTR. Already up 7-0, UCLA went on a 17-play, 88-yard drive. Nine of those plays were handoffs to Zach Charbonnet, who picked up 51 yards, and Charbonnet ran for 118 yards total, he was never tackled for a loss, by the way, in the entire game. And adjusting for sex, UCLA ran for 224 yards as a team. Shaw on Stanford's efforts in run defense. The biggest issue is we were not able to stop the run with any consistency. Um, when we did, we got into third and long, we got off the field. But a team like this, you let them play in second and four, 
second and three during the course of the game, it's really, really tough. Um, talking to Coach Anderson before the game, you look at all the statistics and tendencies, and pretty much every tendency they have situationally outside of third and long is to run the ball. Right? You have to, they ran the ball repeatedly over and over and over again. Now when they threw it, we did a decent job. We didn't do great, we did a decent job. We let one big one get out, and that one really hurt. Yeah, in, in some respects, Stanford's run defense actually played better than I thought it would, especially after that, that first quarter that we all saw. And, and Stanford's secondary largely held up coverage-wise against the Bruins, except for that key play of the entire game. So, some highlights and some lowlights for Stanford's defense which, to be honest, kind of applies to the entire, the entire team's day against UCLA. Those are three things. Some numbers of note, Tanner McKee, 19 of 32 for 293 yards with three touchdowns. No interceptions. He still has not uh, thrown a pick at all so far this season. That is always good news. Now, McKee was also Stanford's leading rusher with 42 yards gained on eight carries. That's, that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, touchdown catches by Bryce Farrell, Elijah Higgins, and Bryson Tremaine. Thomas Booker with a big day up front for the Cardinal. Ten total tackles, a sack, and a tackle and a half for loss. Booker reacting to his afternoon. Defense is one of those things where there's so much about scheme, um, and everybody has to do their assignment, their job. Uh, and sometimes that results in you getting a lot of different plays, you having a lot of TFLs, you having a lot of sacks. Um, a lot of kind of stat sheet production, um, and sometimes it ends up having you set up for other guys. Uh, so for me, I was fortunate enough that my teammates, you know, made plays enough to set me up for that one. Uh, so it was great, you know, getting that in the stat sheet. But, you know, the way our defense goes is that, you know, that, could, that stuff can kind of come in bunches, or uh, sometimes you're, you're doing the dirty work and washing the dishes, you know. So you got to be satisfied to do, to do both of those, you know, in order to win the game. So, yeah, it was great to get in that. Um, but... Obviously, it's partly because of my teammates. Yeah, some nice moments for Thomas Booker. That was that. That's his best game of the year so far. Shaw mentioned after the game that quarterback Isaiah Sanders uh, got hurt, uh, probably on the one snap that he played in in the second quarter, and uh, was not able to return to the game. Elijah Higgins, Bryson Tremaine also missed some time, but came back. Uh, we'll get a further uh, picture on what Stanford's health and injury situation could be for Oregon when Sean next addresses the media during his weekly uh, press conference on Tuesday. We need to talk about Stanford's offensive line and its run blocking as a whole. I thought this would be a strength for Stanford this season. I really did. But it hasn't come close. It hasn't come close to where I thought it might be, certainly by this point in the season. And against the Bruins... They struggled mightily, especially against the run. Overwhelmed up the middle and outquicked at the flanks. It's probably going to be a tough film session for Drake Nugent at center and tackles Walter Allison Miles Hinton in particular, I would think. Shaw, well aware of the struggles of the offensive line and the run blocking efforts as a whole, in total, against the Bruins. If we don't hit our landmarks up front, it's hard to run the ball. You know, if we don't block the guys we're supposed to block, it's hard to run the ball. We miss, we miss a couple of pass protection identifications. You know, quarterback's running for his life. We had, we had some guys that could make some plays for us, but we need the time. 
Yeah, that's about the size of it. And, and I certainly think that may have had an impact on Shaw's play calling in some critical junctures of the game in short yardage. Let's go back to Stanford's fifth possession of the day, early in the second quarter. Nathaniel Peep had a nine-yard burst. Okay, great, cool. That made it second and one. But on that second and one, Bradley Archer, tight end, whiffed on a block. Pete gets dropped for no gain. Then Isaiah Sanders gets stuffed for a two-yard loss on third and one. Stanford had second and one and could not move the chains. So, with that sequence in mind, fast forward to the third quarter, in which Stanford's run blocking hadn't really improved that much by that point, but third quarter, McKee hits Elijah Higgins short of the marker. Saw that a couple times too often for my liking. On third down, making it fourth and one from the card zone 34. Shaw sends out the punt team. Fans booed. I wasn't too thrilled either, but I understood it. Phone booth football wasn't going to work. And at that juncture, at that particular moment of that game, I'm sitting there thinking, can do I really trust Stanford's offensive line and the guys up front in total to give Stanford one yard, a yard that they might need to, to keep the drive going? And my answer at that point in time was no, no, not really. And even though with the ball at Stanford's own 34, that might have been even a bit more aggressive than we've seen from Shaw at times this season on fourth down. That might have that might have even stretched his limits. And heck, it might not even have, have even been a decision in his mind to send out the punt team out there. But the fans who were booing, look, I wasn't too thrilled either, but I totally understood it because I wasn't sure Stanford at that point was going to be able to pick up that yard. So tough, tough sledding for Stanford in the run blocking department again. Now, all of that being said, Shaw is still encouraged by the guys he has up front. Uh, I, I'm still encouraged about what we have up front. You know, this is a tough, this was a tough matchup. UCLA blitzes more than anybody we will play all year. A lot of different looks. Internal pressures, weak side pressures, strong side pressures, corner pressures, safety pressures, cover zero pressures, more than anybody will play. And when we, when we got them up front, we made big plays. When we didn't, we didn't. Yeah, UCLA brought blitzes on both of McKee's second-half touchdown passes, and with a little help from Nate Pete, who stayed in the pass pro both of those times, the offensive line held up, and they gave McKee the time that he needed to find Elijah Higgins for 56, and Bryce Farrell for 52 and the tie. So those were nice moments. But by and large, Stanford's offensive line with another below-the-line performance for me. And it's shocking to me, and I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it, because I thought this was going to be a strength of the team. With Rouse continuing his good play from 2019 into 2020, Miles Hinton with the year under his belt, now the unquestioned right tackle. Uh, Branson Bragg, Jake Hornerbrook, Barrett Miller. We haven't seen Hornerbrook, I don't believe, in the last couple of games. But with those three guys, with the with the versatility at the guard position, and with Drake Nugent being the new center this year, still, he's not new to the program. He knows the deal. I thought that a, uh, I thought that the Stanford offensive line would be stronger 
and be more able to, to, to assert its will against teams so far this year. Not so far. Not to this point. There hasn't been one game so far this season yet that I've come away from it going, wow, Stanford really pushed them around up front. I mean, Pete had that 87-yarder against USC, but outside of that, not really. And as we've talked about so many times on this show, the Stanford offense only goes as far as its offensive line. We've seen what happens when it's working, and we've also seen what happens when it doesn't. Stanford's offensive line, especially in the run blocking category, falling well short, I think, of its expectations after four games of the season so far. That really needs to be tightened up in a big-time way. Now, Stanford, of course, was obviously short-staffed in its backfield. We covered that as part of three things. Austin Jones, E.J. Smith, Casey Filkins were certainly missed, I thought, by the Stanford by the Stanford offense, but but maybe not necessarily from, from a production standpoint. Because I'm not sure if Austin Jones or Casey Filkins or E.J. Smith would have fared any better on the ground than Nate Pete did against the Bruins, just based on how spotty the run, the run blocking was. But I am sure that this offense missed the different facets and the different looks that E.J. Smith and Casey Filkins can give this scheme. We saw it against Vanderbilt. We talked about it against Vanderbilt. We saw more motion, more shifting. E.J. Smith, in particular, being moved around in different spots around the field before the snap. We saw a lot more versatility from Stanford offensively before the snap than, than it seems that, we, that we've seen over the last few years. We saw next to no motion and no shifting from Stanford before the snap against UCLA. We saw it once, off the top of my head, came in the second quarter. Bryce Farrell started the motion, went over to the left side, ended up taking it on the screen, picked up 28 yards. Pretty nifty play. But outside of that instance, I don't think we saw much motion, if any, at all ever again. Motion and shifting makes defenses do the one thing they don't want to do. Makes them think. Makes them think. Defenses would rather react. But when you got guys moving around before the snap and ending up in different spots, the defense has to go, okay, all right, what's my assignment now? Who, who, who do I have to get? Where is he going to end up? And when, the, when he ends up there, what does it mean for me? It forces the defense to be on its heels a bit. And it helps the offense be perhaps a bit more unpredictable. And that's where Stanford's offense, I thought, missed those guys the most, especially with E.J. Smith and the role it appeared that, that he was starting to fulfill and come into his own during the Vanderbilt game in particular. Now, Smith likely out for another week or two with that tweaked ankle that he suffered. We'll know if Jones and Filkins will, will be back for Oregon by midweek. But while I don't know that those two guys plus E.J. Smith would have made a difference for Stanford's running game from a production standpoint against UCLA, I know they would have opened up so many more looks and so many different facets for the Stanford offense. Now, all of these things being said, Stanford made this a game. More on that in a moment. 
as the Believe Podcast Network is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select this ten, the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to PlayActionPools.com and sign up for the contest, Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contests, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. We're breaking down Stanford-UCLA. Bruins getting the 35-24 win at Stanford Stadium on Saturday. And, and, and even though the Bruins had a 21-7 lead at the half, they had to work for it in the second half. Stanford was down 21-7 at the break, and it seemed like, like all of your worst nightmares about this game were coming true. Rotten start in all three phases. Special teams giving up a 58-yard punt return to set up UCLA's first score. The defense giving up that monster drive to make it 14-0, and the offense going three and out on its first five drives. McKee looking erratic and unsettled along the way. But after all that, the card picked it up. Stanford got its first down, its first first down, with 7.46 left in the second quarter. And that drive ended with the card's first touchdown. A well-covered Bryson Tremaine leaping and making the grab for a 19-yard score. Made it 14-7 at that point. Then in the third quarter, out of the blue, McKee hits Elijah Higgins for 56 and a touchdown. That was critical, and that kind of opened up some eyes. After the game, Tanner McKee took us through that play. All game, they were doing a really good job of uh, protecting the perimeter, running cloud coverages, um, kind of high-lowing our outside guys to have a flat defender and then a deep defender as well. Um, and so we knew that the middle was going to be vulnerable. Um, Elijah ran a great route, took a great angle. Um, they ran a cut coverage where the, where the uh, safety came across the field. And then he had to turn back around and run. He almost had to turn a complete uh, 360 and, and run back in a different direction than Elijah was running. So Elijah did a great job, um, and then it was a good timing play. Yeah, well done by McKee and Higgins and by the pass protection up front. And then McKee's 52-yarder to Bryce Farrell tied it up with 13 minutes left. In the second quarter, third quarter, and the first two minutes of the fourth quarter, McKee went 9 of 10 for 230 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. You'll take that. I'll take that. David Shaw was certainly happy with it. Once we settled down, pretty doggone good. Pretty good. Um, we got our protection and we did our jobs. You see how explosive we can be. See how many guys that we can we can that can make plays for us. A lot of guys that can make plays for us. Yeah, a nice sequence overall for the Stanford offense and working in, comp, in in concert with the Cardinal defense, who was able to largely keep UCLA in check throughout much of that stretch. More on that in a brief second. But when Stanford was able to get it together, they were able to make big plays. Big plays were there to be had. 
you know, there might have been some consternation about Stanford coming out throwing as McKee went 0 for 3 on Stanford's first drive in the passing department. But big plays were there to be had in the passing game against the UCLA defense that really hadn't shown too much, especially against Fresno State. So big plays were there, but they could not be found the first five possessions, but they were for much of the rest of the way. So Stanford offensively, give them credit. They were able to, after staggering for a good portion of the first half, they were, they were able to put it together and, and do much better for much of the rest of the way. Same can be said defensively for Stanford. Mixed results for the Cardinal overall, to be sure, as we noted uh, when you adjust for sacks, UCLA did still run for 224 yards, and DTR did make a couple of big throws, none bigger than the 75-yarder to give the Bruins the lead early in the fourth quarter that, as it turned out, it would not give up. And look, tip of the cap, right? Tip of the cap to UCLA on that play. As Kyle Phillips, UCLA's receiver, went right down the scene, virtually uncovered, Alakai Gilman, Stanford's young safety, more on him in a second, cheated up towards the middle. Caillou Blue Kelly thought he had inside help. He did not. And DTR found it. 75 yards later, it's a touchdown, and UCLA's right back in the lead after Stanford had fought so hard to come back from two scores down to tie it up. So give UCLA credit on that. But there were still some, some nice moments for, for Stanford defensively. Now, I think part of that is because they were getting a little help from UCLA. I don't know why the Bruins insisted on throwing the ball as much as it did in the second half. But it allowed the Cardinal to get pressure on DTR. And they were able to largely force incompletions and to make it a bit tough for UCLA in the passing game. And Alakai Gilman, who got the start replacing Noah Williams, the free safety, who was out for this game. Youngster, I thought, started well. And had some, had some key moments for himself, too. David Shaw on Gilman's day. Yeah, Alakai um, is a very, very good football player. Um, he ain't the biggest guy, but he plays big. And uh, he's got a great feel. He's got a great knack. Um, throughout spring football, it just seemed he was always around it, deflecting passes, making t tackles for loss. Uh, it was great to see him out there. He, he got healthy for us right at the right time because we needed him. Yeah, I, I thought Gilman started well, but I thought he faded a little bit down the stretch as, as UCLA wore him down on that drive that, that salted the game away after Stanford kicked the field goal to make it 28-24. And then UCLA with a slow, methodical drive right down the field that really put everything together down the stretch. It was, it was very impressive stuff for, for UCLA on that drive. Taking almost seven minutes off the clock, 13 plays and 75 yards in the process. So Gilman, I thought, wore down, wore down a little bit as, as the game went along. Uh, DeMooney, I thought, struggled at times, especially containing UCLA's running backs. But then again, I mean, UCLA's running backs were, were magnificent. Charbonnet in particular on the ground and through the air as well as he became a critical receiver out of the backfield on UCLA's uh, final touchdown drive to make it 21-7 before the half. 
So some nice moments for, for Stanford defensively, but not enough. Not enough. Not enough. One unit that I thought came to, came to compete and did well throughout the entire game, Stanford student section. Stanford student section was magnificent from start to finish. First week back at classes and student support was actually a record. Just under 7,600 students in the building at Stanford Stadium. And they did a magnificent job throughout the entire game, making noise when it needed to, supporting the, supporting the squad. Well done. Well done. And, and to the students, make it a habit. Make it a habit throughout, throughout the remainder of the season. But just, you just really need to give props to the, uh, the students for, for what they were able to contribute to the ambiance around Stanford Stadium. And it was great. It was nice. It was cool to be back in the building with fans in the stands as well. Ran into a bunch of old friends, hopped in on, dropped in on a couple of tailgates, saw a bunch of folks, saw, saw some people that I, I hadn't seen since, you know, in two years live and in person. That was pretty cool to see. Great to be around. You know, 47,000 plus the announced attendance for the game. Okay, that's cool. It's really cool. Great to be back in the mix. Would have been even better with the win. Would have been even better with the win. Stanford can play a lot better. And it played well in the second and third quarter and most of the fourth quarter. But we saw glimpses of, of where this team can go. And where it can be. And I think some lessons that learned along the way that it can it can apply towards the Oregon Ducks, who you look at the final score, 41-19 against against an Arizona squad that isn't predicted to do much this year. And you go, okay, that went about his plan, but but no, it was 24-19 in the fourth quarter before the Ducks finally got some separation. And Arizona's young quarterback ended up throwing five interceptions on the day. So you look at the final score and you say, okay, well, that game went about how it should have. No, no, not quite. Not quite. Not quite. So Oregon can be had, I think, by this Stanford team. But that's largely up to how Stanford plays. Right now, though, Thomas Booker hopes this team uses that result against UCLA as fuel for next week against Oregon. We hate losing, right? Point blank period, we hate losing. You don't come to play college football, you're not an athlete at this level um, if you feel neutral or you like this feeling, right? Um, but the whole point of it is that you have to do something with you know, the negative emotions that you're feeling um, and the, the anger that you feel about this. So that's how the team feels right now. You know, um, obviously don't feel good about losing our first home game in a, in a, in a good amount of time, but at the same point, you know, you got to let that fuel your preparation, you know. So feel sick about it, but do something about it. That's kind of how we, how we are right now. Yep. Yep. Spot on. Oregon's a good team. Very good team. And right now they're carrying the torch in the Pac-12. And it would not surprise me if it was Oregon and UCLA in the Pac-12 championship. Wouldn't surprise me that. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But they can still be had by the Cardinal. And the Cardinal can certainly make, make its stake in the Pac-12 North. This is, look, this is the biggest game on Stanford's schedule. Not just because it's the next one, but it's, but because it's the first one in the North and it's because, and because it's against Oregon. 
the team that in all likelihood is going to be ending up carrying the torch for the Pac-12 North. But Stanford can have a say in that and help reverse that. A lot at stake for the Cardinal this Sunday against the Ducks. It's at Stanford Stadium. And it's 12.30 kickoff. I'm not mad at that. So always welcome your thoughts on Stanford football. Hashtag TreeCast via Twitter is the best way to do that. Looking forward to diving into it all. Uh, and a deeper analysis of Stanford versus Oregon coming up this Saturday. I got a busy week coming up, man. <laughs> I got two soccer matches. Uh, the men on Monday. Pac-12 women's soccer on Thursday. Uh, Stanford uh, hosting Oregon State. Then making my Pac-12 network play-by-play volleyball debut on Friday before another match on Sunday. And then uh, bookended by the uh, by the football game on Saturday. So I got a lot coming up this week. Hey, not a complaint. Because this is the best time of year. Is what we're all here for. Looking forward to it. All right, we will come at you next time on Thursday. Oh, yeah, by the way, in the midst of all that, I got to do another TreeCast. <laughs> Again, not a complaint at all. But uh, we will talk to you on Thursday and uh, get the latest and greatest around the Cardinal as it prepares to host the Oregon Ducks. You heard from David Shaw. You heard from Tanner McKee. You heard from Thomas Booker. And I always like to hear from you via the hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And we'll talk to you on Thursday. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. And you can't back the pack if you don't back the vac. It's that simple. Talk to you Thursday on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network.